the future of photography. Hey, hello, welcome. This is Chris Marquardt. You're listening to another episode of The Future of Photography. And drum roll, please, for the first time, the full team is here. Imar King, Jeremiah Tetic, Adrian Stark. Hello and good evening. Hello. I'm really excited. I have a crowd. All four of us. <laughs> we'll talk all over each crowd other wisdom. for sure. But look how long the last episode was. <laughs> Can I just remind everybody? <laughs> we'll have to rein it in a little bit. I'll I'll try my best uh, to keep this as tight as we can. So yeah, just um, point your finger. Yeah, we'll do. <laughs> now, Adrian, you and I we did the last episode together, and uh, we 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 were hoping to get this together. The, shed, the scheduling is always a bit of an issue, but we managed. I'm very yeah, happy it's about good. This. All right, so uh, yeah, we want to talk a bit about the new uses for photography outside of what we see as the traditional photography. And uh, before we dive into the topic, of course, as always, we have our little uh, photography highlight. And uh, this time I will start because <clears throat> I'm I'm just doing some research, looking into a topic for uh, something that I might be writing sometime in the future. And one of the things that um, I began realizing was that certain people need certain cameras or certain situations need certain cameras. So the the idea that some camera manufacturers maybe even are better suited for certain people, you know, how... how um, how Tesla vehicles appeal to a certain kind of people that are typically more on the techie side, more on the software side. I saw my and first ever Tesla three today. It was in a car park at an there office. There you I go. Was in. Yeah, there you go. But, but it's got an enormous screen. It's screening it is bigger than the screen on my laptop. <laughs> if you lived in California, you'd see them all the you time. You would see them as <laughs> basically as Volkswagens. <laughs> Oh right. yeah, no, no, I get, I get that, and we do have plenty of Teslas, but we, I, but the the Tesla three has only just been released in the UK, um, and so so it was the first one. The, the, yeah, I see plenty of of bigger ones, but that, right. the, that's the first small one I've seen. And the 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 fact that that Tesla didn't <laughs> here we <abro> go. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're not getting very techy, but the fact that that Tesla started becoming uh, coming at at the whole automobile side from, from the software side and not from the car manufacturer side means that they have different sensibilities on how they approach mm -hmm. things. And you can see the same thing with some camera manufacturers. I just heard a, an episode Isn't of... is Tesla a camera manufacturer? Well, <laughs> I thought Tesla was a camera manufacturer. I think they buy a whole lot of cameras um, and put them in their vehicles. But uh, the same thing is, for example, true for Sony. Uh, just listen to an episode by um what is this the accidental tech podcast and these guys are software guys and one of them was very uh, adamant about sony really clicking with his sensibilities because they also kind of approached the whole photography thing from a from a software company side from a, an appliance side that's and not really, from a camera really manufacturer side you know because often you the thing you hear about the ui on a sony camera is that it's in, in com completely impenetrable <laughs> <laughs> and, and that is, and that, is that. and that is for photographers who come from old Pentax cameras and stuff, you know. So uh, that's one of the big revelations to me that 
maybe the approach that a camera manufacturer has and the sensibilities they have uh, will click differently with different people. Speaking about mm -hmm. Teslas, I, I happen to have in my uh, at my home a Tesla whole home backup battery. Ah, so in the wall. event, yeah, Powerwall. In the event of any power failure, it uh, it will run the house. It charges by solar on my roof. It stays full until it's needed. And uh, I was checking their software, which is amazing because you could see how much power goes to the electrical grid, how much to the house, and how much to the battery. I just happened to notice that we, we had a power outage, lasted five minutes about three weeks ago, and I never even noticed. And to, and to bring this back around into photography, you can charge your camera off it too. <laughs> I can. <laughs> you, believe me, they have <laughs> they have USB out. So, um, cool. Anyway, all right. So, uh, who's next? Oh, I'll go now. I, I'm going to jump in here. I, I I'll jump in. I'm jumping here. So, uh, the uh, my my professional client project that I'm working on at the moment. The client has just had a requ a necessity to take a temporary office space right in the centre of London. We are next door to the Tower of London, right by Tower Bridge. And uh, so my photography highlight is that the office space that we've just moved into has a marvellously big picture window. Um, it, it doesn't look at the Tower of London, which, to be honest, if you go to London regularly, gets a bit dull after a while. Um, it looks into the it looks the other side of the building into a place called St. Catherine's Dock, where boats come and go and things are going on and there's street food and stuff like that. So, um, uh, and it's an enormous picture window and it's, it's a joy. And I've taken many photos all probably on my phone <laughs> <laughs> out through that window in the last two weeks. Why did you bring a camera with like a proper camera with you? I will do. I, do you know what I want to do? I want to do a time-lapse um, for two reasons. One is that I could point it downwards. We're on the fifth floor, so I could point it downwards and take time lapses of the boats moving around. Ah. Um, or, and the other thing is to take a, a level time lapse because there's, uh, there's some quite changeable weather in the UK at the moment, and it'll be you know, pouring with rain one minute and, and bright sunny the next. Mm. And what Are you I saying that's just for is, the moment? Yeah, just for the moment, <laughs> yeah. No, usually, it's, usually it's just universally you know, not, not great. But at the moment, it's very changeable. And what I always think of in my mind as Simpsons clouds. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and uh, so, you know, I want to take a, I want to get a tripod and a camera up there and do a time lapse just from that window, just sit it there for half a day or whatever and just, you know, capture all the different You could do weathers. that on your phone as well. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Imar, say it again. Sorry, I'm just, I'm just saying that he could do that on his phone as well, the time lapse. Yes, good point, Ema. Yeah. Good point. I could do it on my phone and... Uh, you wouldn't be able to put your phone aside for a matter of hours, I don't know. <laughs> uh, that would be a good excuse not to do enough work, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, so can't take any calls. I probably would take, uh, probably would have to take a dedicated camera and a little tripod and stick it mm. on a desk by the window and, and stuff like that. So, But that, that's, that's yeah, something that's on my to-do list now. Mm. Very good. So, uh, Imar... Go next. Yeah, my, it's a very simple highlight, but it was a lovely moment. My, it's a portrait, a hipstamatic portrait I took of Liam, Liam, who's a Yorkie that I met the other day. And <laughs> it's I, it's not a thing I would take pictures of animals generally. Well, now and then, but this little man just totally took my heart a little bit. And uh, <laughs> you can see him. He's on my Flickr account. 
um, if anybody wants to go and have a look at him there. But yeah, I think I'm in love. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it. Simple. But nice. Mine is um, the work of Cordis and Sonderegger. Uh, these are uh, two guys, I assume, who have a studio, I don't know where, somewhere in Europe. Switzerland. Is that it? Yeah, well, I'm just, they, I, I just typed them into Wikipedia. So it says Switzerland here. Their Never work heard is of them. No, oh, nothing mm-hmm. short of extraordinary. We should post their, their work a little bit on, on the uh, show notes. But they recreate classic photographs, iconic photographs that have uh, informed us for and since the advent of photography. And they do it in studio, but their images show all of the sausage making that goes into it. So their final result is not as much a perfect recreation of the photo, even though that is the end result, but the ensuing framing devices, which show all of the materials, whether it's plastic, glass. I mean, you go onto their website and you can see how it is done. It's absolutely dazzling. And uh, I applaud them for their a appreciation of photography and their technical wizardry. And most important all of all their, their patience. <laughs> because I'm, I'm, just, I'm just looking at some of the yeah, photos here on, yeah. on, let, on let's uh, stop, image let's search. Stop recording for a bit so I can listen to <laughs> so I can look at these images. <laughs> Cordis and Sonderegger, that's like the image search. Okay, so, so this is this is a really advanced form of desktop photography. Yes. Um, tabletop yeah. photography. And um, yeah. The, which Beyond is int- anything that I've ever seen. And it's I have amazing, their book. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. And oh, it turns out they faked the moon landings. <laughs> <laughs> and Tiananmen Square. And Tiananmen yeah, these Square. are the people that... Fit. This is this is interesting because it also kind of uh, links in with a with the current trend that I've seen uh, more and more, where young photographers are getting into photography, doing exactly that on a on a more on the toy kind of photography area, sure. but but working with with special effects on a table with little smoke machines and uh, fairy lights and stuff in the background and uh, and and figurines that they then uh, put into a scene and and shoot from different angles and with different methods yeah. uh, Chris one of my favorite images that they've done I mean I love their work in general but they did the uh, Joseph uh, Niepce image that he, one of the first photographs that's ever been taken they recreated it and uh, that, that's pretty dazzling. Uh, you know, I, I'm a little bit responsible for my own kind of tabletop fakery. Um, I've done, I think I may still, no, I don't know if I have them on my website, but uh, I've done a, a series of shots of the moon uh, in which I shot a, um, you know, ostensibly perfect uh, recreation of of the moon, which is, was about four or five inches in diameter. And then colored it and, you know, I had white wall blow them up very big for an exhibit I did uh, on glass. And uh, they're, yeah, it's pretty good. Nobody really knew that. So, they so, so you did the moon, la- moon landings then? <laughs> well, I never landed. I just. It sounds like it was a collaboration to me. Yeah. And, and in the background, we can hear they're already coming it, to excuse, get you. For that. <laughs> excuse the fire engines on my end. 
<laughs> I so, thought that was me. <laughs> no, Isn't it funny we all safe. just assumed it You're was safe. Jeremiah? <laughs> it sounded, it sounded like a very... Yeah, LA. You've got to move to a better neighbourhood, Jeremiah. <laughs> That's what everyone keeps telling me. But It, it sounded like a very yeah. American serene just there. <laughs> yeah, it was. is <laughs> And consistent. All right. Uh, let's dive into today's topic. Um New uses for photography. Now uh, we've uh, well, I've, Jeremiah. I think you have created the big list here that we are going to go through in some areas. And uh, so, why, why don't you just take the lead and get us into the topic? Sure. Uh, I, I was always um, fascinated by how we can use our cameras and the photographic process and to a certain extent um, artificial intelligence um, to use what we consider a traditional photographic process but to assess environments, damage thereof, uh, measurements, things like um, plant and species identification, etc. Um, and We take a lot of these things for granted, certainly in our uh, photo apps. And, you know, I'm with Imar here. I think we should all do a, a collective uh, most fun photo apps, um, you know, recording. I, I think that would be fun. But, um, for example, x-rays, MRIs, all of those things, that's photography. X-rays, those are photography. Um, while the photographic process for a practitioner, nurse, doctor, or you know, radiologist is they don't really think about, oh, the exposure, everything is reasonably automated. But the when a doctor is looking at an X-ray, an MRI, a CT scan, etc., or even a live view of a, of a colon, <laughs> you know, they're not thinking of the technique. They're actually looking inside the image and assessing that as well as um, the patient. I mean, we, if, if we're sharing that information uh, with a doctor, we're not really responding to the image as image. We're really responding to the subject. So there is a, a real interesting dynamic about looking at an image that was taken for uh, medical purposes, and yet our responses are very um, distant from a an aesthetic appreciation of it, even though uh, we've seen x-rays uh, used artistically to shoot, you know, trucks and planes and cars and things like that uh, for art. So medicine would be a use of photography in a non-specifically artistic way. Um, that's I mean, that's I an interesting point you make there about people responding to 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 the subject because what i was thinking is that when you said that i was my, my brain jumped to you're responding to the the information encoded in the image yes you know ra rather than uh, anything that you might say is a bit more meta like how it was produced or the medium in which it is viewed or or anything like that it's is reportage Uh, our responses to reportage somewhere in between aesthetic, uh, aesthetic emotional responses and sub subject oriented, would you say? So that's interesting because now I need to hold the thought about all of those um, 
all those people who've won the world press photo of the year award and then had it taken away because they've done too much manipulation because you know there there is a thing surely the whole point and, and okay this may be a bit simplistic but surely the whole point of that is that you're responding to the information encoded in the image not the making of the image uh right i don't want anybody uh airbrushing my ct scans <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe <No>. I do. <laughs> look, look, you have a broken rib, but we can fix that in Photoshop. <laughs> right, yeah. it's gonna look great. Yeah, thank image. you. <laughs> if only it were that easy, huh? Yeah. Um, the, the thing and, I found really fascinating uh, when I was looking through Jeremiah's list was um, the plant identification. Um, there's loads of apps. There's um, like it's like a botanist in your pocket, um, and birds I, too, right? Yeah. That's excellent. You, you mean identification yeah. by, by by having an app to point by, at you, It kind uh, of scans and, the plant and, you know, you take your picture of the plant or it scans the plant and it tells you what it is. Uh, with a, like so, an AI in the background finding that out for you? Oh, I didn't look that too deeply into it. Well, Chris. or do there people sitting there <laughs> looking magic. at the pictures and then talking? No, I thought it was magic too. I, I, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and actually, I'm, lately, I've I've become kind of fond of, I've been getting attracted to plants and flowers. And I do find myself going, I wonder what that's called. You know, <clears throat> I found out some really interesting ones lately that are like um, really, really common plants here uh, that I found out are, um, I found out uh, one of them is valerian, which is really a quite famous herb, you know, you it's everywhere. It's like a weed, which is incredible. So... Um, I'm going to use that. I'm going to, definitely going to get that up and use it. I think it's a brilliant. Make idea. a tea. Make a tea before bed. Make some tea before bed. Yeah, yeah. It's right out. It's everywhere. You know. I was like, "What? That's Valerian." I'm looking at it all my life, and I never knew. You know, which is so. Do you remember use this. what was that? Google had a um, some software where it was. I think it was some kind of dictionary where you would take a picture. Mm-hmm. Upload it, and it would give you any descriptive uh, that they could access. Oh no, that's I don't know interesting. Still around. I hadn't heard of that, but they have um, Transl- some sort of an app as well for scanning. I I just noticed um, old photographs. You know the way you try to take a photo of an old photo to to try and <laughs> preserve it for a little longer, or whatever. And this will um, sort of scan the old photograph for you and you don't get the glare or the, you know, and then you can manipulate it, the quality of it is better. And it's, it, it sounded like quite a good idea as well for Rest- well, restoration. Yeah. Uh, with a, um, just staying with the topic of identification of things, there was mm-hmm. an app um, which made use of the camera to help blind people. And it was one of these um, where on the one side, blind people could use it on the other side, um seeing people could sign up for that thing and then you would be as a blind person you would um pretty much be able to call someone so okay. you it's like like if, if you're if you're in in front of your pantry and you don't know if this is a can of beans or a can of pineapple then mm-hmm. then you could just ask someone point the camera at it and someone would tell you what it is, or if this is the blue socks or the black socks, this kind of stuff. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, it? it's interesting because yeah. that was a few years ago. I don't remember the name of the app. I signed up for it. I think I got one call in half a year. 
So um, that was. Yeah, I, do you know it's a, probably a thing people don't do enough? Is well, um, the interesting thing is that use the descriptions. It, it used to be this crowdsourced thing where people would just like be happy to help, and uh, mm. that worked quite well. But uh, and and the, the ratio was huge. I mean, there were there were so many more seeing people who wanted to help than people who actually needed the help. And now with uh, the advent of better image recognition, content recognition, AI, machine learning, and so on, um, I think that gets replaced by apps that can okay. that can just do that <laughs> so by themselves. You know, they, they, they just know this is a... Disintegration of blue. connection Spe again. Speaking, <laughs> Separation speaking is all... Of, speaking about yeah. that intelligence within apps... Um, uh, a couple of years ago, when I, I, I was traveling across China, and um, I used the translation app, uh, where you know I'd you know snap a picture and it would it would translate the sign or whatever into English. In my case, I, I do this uh, it, all the time when I travel. I have to say that it would be a fantastic um, idea for a book of comedic poetics because while you kind of got the gist of what they were trying to communicate in the language it was never exact and <laughs> it it was that uh, verbal uncanny valley that provided uh, <laughs> hours of amusement for me and it, it goes beyond the taking a snapshot and having it translate because for some languages you can do this live so you point the camera at it and on the screen it replaces the writing yeah. and you see a live picture of uh, what this i used this extensively in russia and it was very helpful and sometimes as you just said very very confusing <laughs> Yeah. I was using that in France yeah, yeah, when I was in, uh, on, on my holiday a couple of weeks ago, yeah, especially for menus and things like that. Because I can work, I can work my way through most of it, but sometimes some of the ingredients in, in food are, are, are not in your normal vocabulary. You know? so it's, it's really really useful stuff. Probably um, works to a certain degree, but I suppose these things are never reliable, are they? <laughs> I've often um, found myself doing that with, um, you know, Instagram posts that it would follow and the translators and Google Translate as well. It's not great, is it really? No, it's <laughs> probably not get your basic perfect. point across is right, but there's uh, there's one online there's one translator online that is very good. Um deepl.com mm. is the best, uh, much better than Google Translate. Just if you were actually trying to have a serious conversation with somebody in a different language, maybe we go with your one, Chris. <laughs> All right, what else can we do with cameras? Um, star mapping. Uh, the exploration of our universe by just taking pictures of the stars over several years, months or days, uh, can demonstrate the kind of relative position of these stars to each other and therefore mathematically um, convert that to the expansion of our little universe. So that, you know, star mapping is very interesting. And of course, there's a lot of identification software on um, on our phones that allow us to just point our cameras at the sky and identify what the planets and stars are. Um, so th that's another use. We don't really think about the camera there as much as we think about 
how insignificant we are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that's that's an interesting one. I hadn't thought about phones. You reminded me of an article I read a couple of weeks ago, no, a week or so ago, to uh, about um, how it is that. Uh, photographs from space, uh, uh, space photographs from the Hubble telescope are are shared in color, when actually the Hubble telescope only sees in black and white. <laughs> and and how it is that they provide uh, a, a a genuinely color a colorized view, um, and it, it's, it's to do it's to do with filters basically. So they they whilst the 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 sensor in the Hubble telescope only sees in black and white, you, the different filters they can put across it. So they will, they mechanically swap in filters. Uh, do they? I don't know do whether it's mechanically no. or not. They no, don't? I don't think it's no. mechanical. No, um, no, because I'm not they, sure I they read. Map- yeah, they, they, they actually, Adrian, sorry to interrupt, but they, what they do is that they're capable of photographing different wavelengths and assigning each wave to a certain color, and then they combine that. There we go. Somebody else, somebody else knows more than I do. Excellent. That's good. <laughs> so, it, yeah. It's, I just faked that, by the way. Uh, you just, oh, well, yeah, you and your moon landings and your Hubble telescope. <laughs> um, it, it's, it, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, interesting. I hadn't thought about doing that with phones or, or with our own cameras. I guess, I guess, um, though, astrophotography is, is, is a pretty common, you know, subset of photography in general these days, isn't it? Pretty popular. Yeah, really is. Yeah. So here's a use for cameras that uh, is just out, out of my personal life because uh, my eyes are getting worse, and uh, for a while now I've um, began more and more to use the little built-in magnifier in the in the phone, which is pretty. Oh, much, is, that, is that good? Is that uh, <laughs> well? It, it's it's pretty much the camera is zoomed in slightly, so you can right. see everything bigger on the screen. I haven't can, I haven't tried it. I have to admit, although uh, it's. Uh, uh, I did order my first ever pair of very focals the other there day. There we go. It is it is somewhere under under accessibility and you can turn it on like you do a triple click on the home button or something and then it comes up and uh and it's it's just there and uh, I've I've noticed the first time I, I really noticed my eyes getting worse was when I tried to read the fine print on a power brick on a little power God, supply. Those, those are ridiculously small. Those <laughs> like are. one of those Apple ones with like tiniest laser cuts writing on it. And I wanted to, to see the wattage and I couldn't. So I used that one and it really, really helped. So this is a very yeah good use of, of a camera uh, for some of those things. I use that generally when I'm on with uh, customer support and they go, could you get the serial number off this? Oh, yeah. and, and it really is, the serial number is generally written in microscopic lettering uh, so I, <laughs> I tend to use that and i think if i remember you could take a, a photograph of it as you're magnifying it yes it does capture. Uh, yeah that's, that sounds and useful so, too yeah so you don't have yeah. to keep holding it there yeah hmm. so uh, there, I, I had a whole bunch of things like that actually were just sort of you know re- really mundane things it is mundane on, but it's on mundane. my little list there's things like finding finding your car, you know, par- parking in a in a large car park <laughs> yeah. and take, taking a photograph of, of what yeah. zone you're in or, or, or what floor you're I on. I do this all the time. I do this yeah. all the time too. Stuff, all the time, stuff like yeah. that. So um, the other thing, I tell you what, one, one I don't do all the time, but I know is very popular is these days, at least in the UK, is going into a, a retail store and, and then scanning the barcodes of stuff with an app. And so you can find out where you can buy it cheaper elsewhere. <laughs> 
um, you know, like uh, so. So using barcode scanning apps, of course, which, which on on phones are typically photographic, aren't they, rather than anything mm. else? Yeah. Um, screenshotting everything as well. You know, screenshot millions of screenshots. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah, to, yeah. you know, store things quickly. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, I do. I do that as well. I was doing screenshot funny to, to blend. Here's a blend of things we've been talking about. So when I was on holiday in France recently, uh, I, I was uh, there was a couple of times I wasn't confident in my language skills before going into a situation. Mm-hmm. And so I, I typed out on my phone uh, a sentence in English uh, using Google Translate to to, uh, to to translate it into French. And then I took a screenshot of it. <laughs> <laughs> to and that way I could prepare <laughs> for a whole conversation. But yeah, here's a fun one though, right? Here's a fun one. And this, this I have not used and I don't know where the website is or, or whether it's on Facebook or what, but I have a colleague who's quite into cooking and he came into the office a few months back and he was talking about this website, a web group or something like that. Um, that he he w- was a member of, and it is called Rate My Roast. <laughs> and what it is, is you cook a roast dinner and you take a photograph of it and you upload it to this website or Facebook group or whatever it is, and people comment on it. They critique it for you. <laughs> <laughs> I love oh, that. Oh, my goodness. Hmm. Um, I love he was a bit do an exhibit because, of those. Oh, you could. You, you, you so could. You so could. Um, I, I'm not sure that it's got a lot of artistic merit, but <laughs> I'm sure it would be interesting and fun for us. It's bit. Martin Parr, right? Isn't it? It would be, uh, yeah, it could be his, his kind of work, certainly. I think yeah, I could imagine him taking him, but he would have to have people in his. He would have to have a picture for people eating a roast dinner, wouldn't he? <laughs> but, Very likely. So I have, I have one that I've uh, probably about a year ago, I listened to a podcast episode about it. And, uh, it's about solving crimes and ah, this was this yes. was one that i found very almost creepy um and they they've done an experiment or they've not even sure if they're doing it right now but <clears throat> there was this this thing where they had a some drone kind of thing like a balloon or something flying high over a city and a very high resolution camera would take a picture an aerial photo of the city from the top down every second, okay? Mm-hmm. So o- over the entire day, every second, uh, 3,600 photos. And uh, if a crime happens somewhere, let's say a bank's getting robbed, then what they would do is they would take a look at the photos from the point where the, the robbery happened, and then they would go backwards, and they would see the cars moving away from the bank and they would follow them and then they would know where everyone had come from in a car uh who was close to the bank and then they would go to those people knock on the door and say did you rob a bank so this i think it was in that podcast uh, it was an experiment um and i think they stopped it again um but this would Today, with today's technology, with today's resolutions in cameras, um, this would be possible. So you have a, pretty much an ongoing record of something. And then if something happens, you can go back and see 
the, the the traffic patterns. That's that's really interesting. That sounds like the sort Scary. of thing that the, the, the residents of San Francisco would vote against and kill it off. And I'm everybody who sure. lives in and everybody who lives in London thinks of as just a normal day. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right there. Well, I, I think uh, I, London is probably the, the place in the world with the most public cameras. No, we need it. Know. You know, it keeps it, it keeps now, us safe. It keeps, keeps us safe. safe. Mm. Yes. I was talking to somebody about that the other day, actually. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a slightly serious topic, but it, it, um, it's not particularly to do with photography. But um, the, the response times for uh, a, a, any kind of large-scale attack, or especially if it's terrorism in, in London, are, are very, very swift. And it's all to do with... Yeah, it's not all to do with photography, but it's all to do with being ready uh, and having good information. And a lot of that information comes from cameras. Hmm. I think we can go down a pretty deep rat hole if we follow that thread. Sure. Uh, Yeah. Pattern (laughs) pattern recognition, um, which, you know, I I threw on my list uh, in terms of crime, quote, prevention is it's a very slippery slope because, uh, it's people that have to create the algorithms, right, uh, for the intelligence to determine what what's a good pattern and what's a um, a different pattern, and to assess the quote uh, impending danger or criminality based on that uh, pattern being different. Um, so, so yeah, it's that, that, it's, that is really tricky. So I'll tell you about it. First mm-hmm. of all, I'll just remind everybody that there, what was the there was a TV program about that, wasn't there? Well, that that sounds like mono, Minority Report pre crime uh, yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah. you know? Or no, sure. Well, yes, that true. Um, uh, but the uh, I can't remember what the TV program. Oh yeah, was I know what now. you mean. Yeah, it was in America. It was America one. It's yeah. set in New York, and they had this computer that the the geeky guy had built that would yeah. put out, and they didn't know whether the people were victims or perpetrators. But the yeah, it it is um, it it is an interesting thing, and 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 the, an example I will use actually is is uh, if funnily enough in, in my current um, project, my current professional project that I'm doing, uh, it, there is uh, in a large computer system that's part of that project, there is the concept of anomaly detection. Uh huh. And and the, the the one of the ch- most challenging things in writing those algorithms that you were just talking about, Jeremiah, is is stopping false positives. So you know it, you you could you could you could follow back the cameras and you could go and knock on somebody's door and you could do a whole you know mon- minority report pre crime on thing on them and 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 you could get it horribly wrong very very easily. It's it's really really tricky stuff to do technically. Mm. It's this is interesting. Um, the whole the whole AI pattern recognition thing. Um, I recently came across that in a, in a slightly non photographic context, um, and it had to do with uh, chip production. Talking about flash memory chips um, that you put, that we put in our cameras, um, because the, these 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 factories are so highly automated now, and the way they find out if there's a problem in production is not visual well it's probably visual too but um they have microphones everywhere so they record mm. the sound of all those machines and they have a ai pattern recognition in there and if anything out of the normal happens they will be able to find out if a production process is not within its limits and it's moving slightly to the side and then they can intervene before uh, it turns into a problem 
That's really interesting. It's I like very that a lot. Interesting. I, I, this is this this sounded right out of science fiction for me, but it's happening. They're doing this now. Kind I wonder like the if they could recording. do the same with with things like. Uh, I wonder if they could do the same things with like air quality, for example, where where an image uh, is is kind of processed um, to know when the air is clear, what kind of things are in the air when it becomes more dense and reflective, and how those reflections manage and be able to determine. Uh, without a lot of scientific testing, whether and why the air quality has improved or deteriorated. The, I, I, th I think there's a certain kind of uh, smoke detectors out there that already use uh, optical sensors to, to at least detect something, but I don't know mm. how they work. Lots well. of different uses for photography, then. We're doing quite well, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of another one. <laughs> well, you think of it. Oh, well, well okay. So, so um, I, I, I jokingly put on the end of my list here in my, in my prep, um, you know, that, of course, one use for photography is proving conclusively once and for all that your life is better than anybody else's. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I think... A lot of people use it, it for exactly that purpose. That's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. All right. Well, I, I think, um, yeah, I think that's a good place to to finish today's episode. Much easier to go down rabbit holes with four different people, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I think we've done pretty well for our first yeah, time out with yeah. four people. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, four four people for those for those of you out there listening that 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 have not really done this kind of thing. Managing a conversation with four people is about 20 times harder than managing it with three people. It really is hard. So I would give us all a pat on the back because I think we've done pretty well for our first time out. <laughs> I think so too. Um, so we are at the end of episode 94 of The Future Photography. Are we going to have our picks? Oh, Ah, we were doing so well. It's well done, Jeremiah. But we <laughs> you, you saved us. Let, let's do the picks. I'll, I'll edit that thing. Um, Okay, it's time it's time for the picks of the week. We uh do these at the end of the show and uh wants to start. Um I started to explore an app. I decided to pick an app uh, as I'm wont to do. Um and the one I picked this week is called Darker, which I found a while back and downloaded. I thought it was a brilliant idea, but I haven't really played with it until this week. And it's from a go um it it appears to be a newer version of one called Analog, which I hadn't heard of, but obviously people are familiar with that. Um, it's really good. It allows you to make test trips. You dodge and burn in there. You can crop, blurring, toning. And you can also, there's an integrated, its own camera in it. So you can um, feel what it's like to use a, a large format camera. So your image is upside down and you can't zoom and it really slows you down <laughs> What's uh, in it a good again? way. It's called Darker, D-A-R-K-R. Darker. Yeah, Darker. All right. Um, yeah. Adrian. Adrian. Okay, so well, the, I've got another. I've got another app one actually, or uh, um, and it's actually the native app on my my phone, um, the native photos app. So my uh, my pick of the week is Loop Mode on Apple. I uh, live photos, live photos. That's what they're called, isn't it? So I talked earlier on about my highlight being the big picture window in 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 the new office, um, mm. and I didn't I didn't take a tripod up there yet. 
but what one of the times when it was raining uh, a couple of days back i thought i did there was there was um the cloud base was really low and the the buildings in the background for those that know london an area called canary wharf in the background through that window um was all misty and you couldn't see all the tops of the buildings and stuff like that so i thought i'll take a photo there and i want it to i want to capture the weather so i decided to capture the fact that it was raining by using loop mode on a live photo so that's my tip of the week mm-hmm. So loop, loop mode is when you, well, ha- have a little short three, four, five second loop going in circles. Yeah, that's right. So you take a, a live photo, which I think, is it is it something like 12 exposures in three seconds uh, or something know. like that? Yeah, apparently, I was actually watching thing on that earlier on today, and uh, it takes a tiny little video before the shot and a tiny little video after the shot. Um, oh, does time. it? Okay. All yeah, right. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And then you swipe well, up and then it does the loop for you. Yes, because you can have it bounce backwards and forwards, or you could have it loop, and and so it'll take those however many images or videos it's got all together, and it'll put them into a little loop for you. So it's great for when you've got quite a static frame, uh, like buildings, like I was taking of, uh, and and then some, you know, just one or two elements moving that can loop nicely. So it's good for things like waterfalls um, uh, and stuff like that. So uh, yes, or or Chris, actually, go Chris when we were in Bhutan. Uh, a couple of years ago, nearly now, um, we were doing uh, taking photos of flags waving in the breeze, oh, weren't we? Those are brilliant. It's easy to do, repetitive motion of, of fluttering flag. Beautiful, yeah. Yes, it was great. So my pick of the week is, um, I think we've talked about this on the show here before, but I'll bring it up again, is my Oculus Quest. My VR headset, because I've uh, I've uh, found another photography related thing in it, um, and it's in an app called uh, Google Tilt Brush, which is one of these. Well, it's a painting app. Uh, you can do paintings, but they are three dimensional in in space, so you can walk Ooh. around and paint you know, three dimensional things with different oh, wow. brushes and That's things. Turn, turns your turns your living room into. Uh, a studio that you do three-dimensional art in and some of those brushes that you can use are animated so you have a, a brush that makes it snow and you have a brush that is a little a little sparkly rainbow and you have a brush that is uh, makes little streaks in the air uh, at different colors and then you have a little camera in there and you can take a photo of that which pretty much you hold it up it it shows up as a rectangle attached to one of your hands and then you just hold it as close as you want to your eye and it will take the picture at the according size and uh in addition to the still photo you can also do a little animated gif so uh it'll create a little five second animation of what you did there now i, I tried this out today I haven't managed to find where it puts those photos, so I can't put an example <laughs> online just yet. But it was it was really this, oh, look, there's a camera. Let me try this. Let me play with it. And it was really fun. Oh, yeah. That's, like, that's real playtime, isn't it? I think if I had that, I'd never do oh, anything. You just, I, just lost, I just lost two hours like that. I mean, they were just gone. <laughs> All right, Jeremiah. Uh, m- my pick is, is not as much about photography as it is about uh, photography adjacent uh, for those of us who sometimes want to get down in the mud photographing on a kind of on our knees or bellies or whatnot to photograph some different perspectives. And it's it's by a company called Volaback with a K, V O 
L-L-E-B-A-K. They are advertising 100-year pants, granite edition, built to withstand <laughs> fire, nature, water, and the rest of this century. Wow, that's quite uh, something. <laughs> it is. Now, I'd just like to say I have do not own a pair of these pants since they are wildly expensive. I guess, you know, at $645, you it would be really the only pants you're ever going to buy and wear them that's, for the that's duration quite, yes. of the century. Well, I would, I would suggest a second pair just to, you can wash <laughs> the first one, one, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, anyway, um, I just found that uh, the attitude about, about how them, much money now that you may spend on pants in a lifetime. So two well, pairs of those pants... It's probably pretty good value. They're even fireproof. They're even fireproof. (laughs) They are, which here in California is a real benefit. Mm. Yeah. So that that's my pick of the week. As a landscape photographer, when you when you want to throw yourself in the dirt every now and then, that sounds like a good idea. Uh, Yeah. Not cheap, but if if you if you're carrying around (laughs) a camera, really expensive camera with big big lenses, then that might be just Yeah, uh, yeah. They actually Pocket look change. amazing, but uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll leave Chris to test them out. Uh, I'm not sure I can afford them. So <laughs> We're going to need to see the pants. We need to put a link into the... <laughs> we will do. So that brings us to the end of this episode of The Future Photography. We'll be back in a week from now with more. Until then, everyone, take care and bye-bye. 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 You've been listening to The Future of Photography, a production by Adrian Stock and Chris Marquardt. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your other podcasts. Find the show notes and more information at thefutureofphotography.com. Hold up. 